Hello, welcome to The Mumbling Photographer. Today's podcast is a discussion with Dr Katia Hock on the future of photography. I spoke to Katia in the dining room of Hartington Hall, where we were running an MA workshop in photography. Over to Katia. I'm here with Dr Katia Hock from Nottingham Trent University, and I've asked her to give me a view of how she sees photography now. Um, I think that's a very complex kind of question or kind of point to raise, considering the development with uh, kind of photography and particularly kind of current technology. So I probably would need to ask you um, sort of what you kind of mean specifically by that. Uh, by that, is it in relation to kind of technical advancement or content um, in relation to the art market or where, you know, where do you want me to respond to? Because I think kind of photography, and that's part of, I wouldn't say not the problem, but part of the, the issue is that it's become so wide-ranging, maybe probably always has been wide-ranging, but it becomes more and more clear that it is so much overlapping into very different disciplines that I think maybe, you know, I need to ask you to specify a little bit more? I think I was thinking more about um, the state of what is called art photography today. Um, Its role perhaps uh, in the gallery or outside the gallery. Um, What would you advise perhaps a young artist who identify themselves as a photographer? Where would you send them to? Um, I think that's really, really tricky because, you know, kind of a few years ago I would have said clearly go to the photographer's gallery and they are kind of very specific spaces, also like the Open Eye up in Liverpool, um, to say, you know, kind of go there, speak to the curators and, and show them your work and start up a dialogue. Um, also, of course, the Impressions Gallery. But, uh, you, know, cons- you know, if you look back... Um, the, the things have been kind of moving on. So it depends very much what your work, you know, entails. What, what is the context of your work? Um, what do you really want to say? Who's the audience that you want to reach? So depending on that, uh, there are very, very different kind of areas where I would advise students or, you know, colleagues or friends um, to go and, and people to yeah. approach. Because, you know, it's, I don't think it's that clear-cut anymore, if it ever was, you know, so... Perhaps, perhaps not. Um, but that's quite an Anglo-centric view. I mean, would you, would you see that as in the European level or an international level? Would you give the same advice? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I'm sort of having some contacts uh, still with some galleries in, in Germany. And um, from that point of view... I would say, yeah, go go to the Eskarstiftung or, you know, go and, and, and see some particular kind of publishers who are connected also uh, to Gabi Konatschon at the Eskarstiftung. And, um, but, you know, I think it becomes um, more and more difficult if maybe your work is not commercially sort of orientated. And by that I mean kind of clearly also in the art market. Yeah. So, you know, if, if your work has anything to do with 
um, standardization or typology or anything kind of uh, related to let's say Zander, Bechers or anything like that, yeah, go, go and, and introduce yourself to Gabi Konotrola at the Eskarstiftung, clearly, because that's what they're doing. And, that, and that's a gallery in Cologne? Yeah, that's a gallery in Cologne. Which holds Zander's collection. Yeah, Zander's and uh, the Bechers now. Um, and so, you know, that, that is an absolute centre for European photography. Um, but I find, you know, kind of, I find it, it becomes more and more difficult to say, go there or speak to these people. Obviously, kind of, you know, kind of go and pick up kind of magazines and, and journals that are publishing and you get loads of kind of uh, galleries that, that are advertising their shows there. So that is definitely all art monthly, you know, so you, you've got lots of grants there. But I think, you know, if you are an art photographer, depending on kind of where you feel takes you, um, it also kind of, you know, speak to people who are maybe, as we spoke earlier on, you know, people who are in the field of geography, cultural geography. It's not kind of, you know, it's overlapping. And that's what becomes also very interesting. It becomes more and more difficult, um, but it also becomes far more interesting and therefore challenging, you know, because you are engaging with different disciplines and therefore kind of, uh, you know, being introduced to different methods and different ways of thinking, really, about photography and what photography's role is. Really. So you, you touched on a couple of things. Let me take you back. Um, first of all, you, you mentioned the commercial world. Mm. Um, and obviously you talked about Augustander mm-hmm. a few years ago. And he probably self-identified himself as a commercial photographer at one point in his career. Yeah, sure. Um, do you think that's been a, a helpful to have a, a difference between those who are commercial and those who are art? In, in today's multi-layered world, which, which you, you touched on with the cultural geography discussion? Um, I kind of, let me untangle that question a little bit. Um, I suppose kind of going back to Zander, yes, he was um, a photographer who made his living by being a portrait photographer in Linz, clearly, you know. Um, his project on the people of the 20th century um, that was something that he started almost like uh, something that, that was running parallel, um, sometimes also including sort of images that, that he took as part of his commercial or kind of, you know, day and bread photography. Um, but, you know, kind of, he was uh, then later identified by others as an artist, and so was Blosfeld as an artist. Um, they don't necessarily, or saw them necessarily themselves as artists in the first instance. So, you know, they became almost like adopted into that kind of, into that scene. So, so you were almost arguing, let me be um, vicious here, almost that the, the worst thing a young photographer could do is study photography. No. No, because um, I don't think that that's true. I think kind of you, you can learn a lot of things uh, from going to the university and study photography because you are engaging in photography in a different manner. I mean, there are ways of learning the, the trade. You know, you, you do an apprenticeship, which in Germany is still kind of uh, a thing that lasts three years, and you learn kind of, um, you know, how to set lights and how to engage with, with uh, clients 
clients, you are an assistant, you, you know, kind of call it what you want. So there are obviously these ways of entering the market. Um, but when you're studying photography, I think it's, you know, you are becoming part of an academic community. That's something else. And I think that's also where it becomes quite problematic with regard to the education that we currently starting to develop uh, at the university it becomes more and more related to skills. Now, you know, my big question there is kind of like, are we not depriving the university of its original um, function, being an academic uh, an institution that teaches and, and uh, develops people's critical thinking, rather than actually kind of showing them how to set the lights. Okay. So, um, you know, kind of, so that is where it becomes problematic with regard to, you know, the, uh, the university as an institution. And I think, you know, if you are wanting to become a commercial photographer and you really are kind of, you know, keen and, and motivated and there's nothing stopping you to become, uh, you know, successful, I'm not going to the university. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but when you if you go to the university and you are also kind of keen, enthusiastic, and you push, it gives you different tools as well as that. I mean, almost we're coming back to the the original question, because in a sense, as you know, the whole dialogue within uh, British higher education at the minute is about uh, delivering skills and some mm. description. I mean, they they call it different names, yeah. but it seems it. And this is also driven by the national curriculum, where it is very skill-based, very test-based. So in a sense, how do you, do you see a way of, of, of crossing the T, of, of joining the circle, where, where people are saying, we want skills, and you're saying, well, the skills you need are academic skills. So how do you cross that bridge? Well, you know, I can, I can kind of go back to the experience that I've had when I was a student a long time ago. Um, it's, you know, I, we had, we had a kind of a technical course that we had to pass, we had to sit exams, we had to, pro, you know, produce a portfolio with all the different um, techniques from 35mm to 4x5, uh, different lightings and all that kind of stuff, so we needed to do the grayscale and everything and needed to show kind of that we can calculate the, the extension, you know, so it was a proper one year long um kind of part of the course with, with a proper exam which you had to pass, otherwise you would not go forward. Um, but that was kind of almost running parallel to the academic, you know, to the kind of the the, um, the engagement with the professors, you know, you brought your work to the professors and if it wasn't of a technical standard that was acceptable, they wouldn't look at it. You know, there was this argument, if you don't take care of your work, why should I waste my time looking at it? And it sounds very harsh, but at the same time, you wanted these people to engage with your work. So you made sure that they were of a certain standard, so that the professor was considering it acceptable. Sounds very arrogant to a certain extent, and maybe very wrong, but, you know, it uh, stopped people producing work one evening before uh, just kind of, you know, drawing something out of a portfolio that was half folded down and what have you. So it was always very pristine, but you learned how to print and you knew how to do it. So the skills developed alongside the academic development of your kind of, you know, you're thinking, you're challenging, you're discussing, and you're learning about the context and the rationale of your work. And how long was that course? Well, the course is not kind of... Um, 
similar again. It, it doesn't run kind of three years. You know, it's a course that um, I, for example, took five years, but I worked as an assistant alongside. Um, that obviously kind of helped me financially, uh, but also um, by taking on that assistantship, uh, you know, I worked for a professional photographer, but as well kind of industrial architectural photographer. So I had very different inputs. I knew how to set the lights. I knew how to kind of load the dark slides. I knew how to do this. And um, that helped me enormously. But obviously, yeah, it took, it took five years. Mm-hmm. It's a different system, you know. It's kind of, and they have now implemented the, what they call in Germany the baby BA, um, which is kind of uh, the three-year BA because due to this European uh, system, they are kind of, they're offering the English system, the Bachelors of Arts, um, but the industry uh, in Germany doesn't take it seriously. So what do they do as well as the Bachelors? Is this part of the Bologna agreement? I yeah, it's part of the Bologna, yeah, absolutely. So do they do a Masters after that now in Germany? Or? Uh, you can do a Masters, but, um, you know, kind of, it's very cunning because, for example, Bielefeld or Dortmund, they are offering the BA as well as the traditional route. So people, you know, a lot of people kind of be in conversation with some of the professors there. A lot of the students take up the BA and then change over to the traditional route because they see that actually the time that you need to develop your practice, uh, it's not enough three years. You know, you're getting rushed through and, um, you know, people obviously also, they are older when they start their studies there. So, you know, you stop stop, um, school, secondary school, in order to go to university, you are about 19. Then you have national service or kind of do something else, uh, an alternative service. So you're about 20, 21 years old when you start university. So you have a totally different outlook on life, you know, Uh, understanding. Remind me, do you pay for your education in Germany? No, not yet, and uh, let's hope that that remains um, like that, because, I mean, you remember when we went to the Fotokina and we had um, this conversation with one of the students from a university in the former eastern part of Germany, um, where they're paying something like, was it 65 euros a semester, and that included the, uh, the local bus fare for the semester as well, so public transport. I know, that was um, rather embarrassing. So, so you're suggesting we all go to Germany? Yeah. To learn Germany. Well, you know, I was asked then by the, by the um, when we came back, by one of our colleagues, why does Germany not advertise for students? And why do we... Is that because they don't need to advertise right. for students? Because I've got enough, because I don't want big courses. They're not interested in that. Okay, so well, do obviously agree that the German system's better. It's different. Let's be diplomatic. It's different. Okay, um, but in a sense, in that German head, that German space, what are they training the photographers for? I would say kind of similar kind of routes to here. I mean, you you know, um, people go on doing MAs, people become artists, people become commercial photographers, whatever that is. Um, people kind of go and uh, become curators, uh, writers, so, you know, anything and everything that the tools that they've been given and developing through their studies allows them to do, which we all know when you are studying art, is a huge diversity of kind of opportunities that you're given because you're always having to think 
you know, outside the box. You know, you're always having to be flexible, and that obviously is an enormous skill. Uh, for example, I think, um, you know, people who are studying law or um, business, whatever, do not have because there's a very clear directive and in art you know you are supposed to you are asked to write your own brief you have to take responsibility for your your project management and so if things don't go the way you thought at first it would be going you have to adapt to that and that obviously kind of in these years that you're doing that allows you kind of to develop a skill that other you know students will not have so you have an advantage because you are a very employable in very diverse fields. Okay. If you had one book to advise young photographers to look at, which would that be? <laughs> um, I would always go for the um, I would always go for the t- people of the 20th century by Alexander, which is, I know it's cheating, it's seven books, but it's one book really, it comes in a box. We'll give you that. I was this desert island disc now. <laughs> what was the what's the picture that you regret having taken? Regret. I don't think there are lots of pictures that I regret not having taken. Well then, what, 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 which one did you feel you should have taken but never did? Um, I had the chance to photograph a lot of interesting people in Cuba uh, or on Cuba uh, a long time ago I choose not to photograph these people because I engaged in a dialogue conversation with them which in another way kind of still kind of sticks with me and is in the back of my mind Uh, so on one hand I'm sort of sad that I didn't take the photographs because as a momentum and as a you know, kind of obviously something that, that it's tangible um, and, and it's an object, but um, instead I've got the memories of the conversation, so I'm not really sure. Okay. What's the picture you, what's your favourite picture you've taken? <sighs> Gosh, that's a difficult one. Um, I think... Having spoken about that recently, actually, I think it's a photograph of a 60-something old lady. Uh, it's part of my final work in Germany of my diploma. And um, I did a project where I asked people who didn't know me to come into a studio space uh, for about an hour and a half. And they knew that there was a task, but they didn't know what the task was. And I asked them to strip off apart from one piece of clothing. There were kind of alternatives available, so a big cloak or kind of piece of material beautiful to drape yourself in. Um, But this lady actually kind of stripped off apart from her bra because she had uh, her breast removed due to breast cancer, but she held her belly very tenderly and she said that um, she's kind of very proud of this belly because she had two sets of twins. And that photograph, sort of, just the experience of photographing this woman, meeting this woman, was just fantastic. And 
the enjoyment that she took when she actually saw the photograph finally then in the exhibition. I had 12 of the 100 people, no, 98 people, 100 people came and two people refused to be photographed. But I had 12 of those um, enlarged, I enlarged them life-size and hung them up as part of my final show. And she came and she was very, very proud and uh, that made me very, very happy. So that's one of the photographs that I'm so glad I took. Okay, and on that lovely thought, Cathy Thork, thank you. Thank you. That's all for now. Remember to tune back in for more podcasts and discussions around photography. This is the mumbling photographer struggling to find the lens cap. Goodbye. Thank you.